post-trade deadline with the general manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. Always appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with these trades and seeing three rotation players go out. What got them across the finish line to make these deals possible? So as we've talked before, JP, the trade deadline is, um, you know, the culmination of a, a, a lot of work over six months, 12 months. Um, coach Hardy and, and our coaches and staff have done such a great job of continuing to develop our players as we try to open up a championship window. And, you know, throughout the year, as um, we started our season and continued to go on, we, we were receiving a lot of calls on a lot of our players. And our job in the front office is to listen and see if there is anything that can be in the best interest of the Utah Jazz long term as part of our plan to open up a championship window. Um, that's always been our plan. And part of that plan is recognizing opportunities, um, even if sometimes they can be um, a little emotional. Simone, Kelly, and Ochai were, you know, three guys that came here when we rebooted the franchise um, from an ownership level to foundational player level, a new coach. Um, and they were part of the beginning of that. And uh, Simone's growth over these this year and a half and Kelly's continued production um, of a long and really great career. And, you know, Ochai coming in the Donovan Mitchell trade and him continuing to grow as a young player. Uh, all three of those guys contributed to our team. But also our job in the front office and, you know, for the organization going forward, our job is to build a team that can go deep in the playoffs. And we have many developmental plans going on, and this was an opportunity to acquire liquid draft capital at a at a really, you know, we're very happy with the return that we got that allows us to have currency going into free agency, um, the trade, uh, I'm sorry, the draft uh, time and, and trades for that to see what we can do to continually improve the team. In addition, um, one of the strengths of our team this year has been the depth of our team. I uh, feel like we have 12, 13 rotational NBA players. And there was a time where we needed to see um, what everybody can do. Uh, the development plan for Taylor Hendricks, the development mm -hmm. plan for Bryce Sensabaugh, two players along with some of our two ways and extended minutes maybe for players that are already contributing uh, on our young core. Um, to see if they can be part of the core that we have and contribute going forward as we try again to build a team that can make a deep run in the playoffs. I want to give you an opportunity to speak on those guys who were traded individually because they were gravitated towards fans. Fans sure. loved what they brought yeah. to the team. Kelly Olenek won a game for you in New Orleans with the ugliest game winner I've ever seen. Uh, his game is so unique. Um, what did he do for this program and, and how he was able to establish himself across two years? So when we traded for him originally, um, you know, Danny had had him in Boston and obviously we had followed him for a long time. He's had a long career and that unique game, he's been very consistent throughout his career. Um, but what we really felt when we brought him here was that he could really help connect our group, which was going to be a, you know, last year, as you know, it was, um, 
a little bit of a big upheaval and we had a lot of players coming from lots of different teams that had never worn a jazz uniform or been part of our group here along with a new coach uh, who were trying to establish a culture and Kelly instantly was able to connect and help connect the different parts of the group he's a guy that got along with everyone um, no matter if you're older or younger or and just the way he played you know he always thought pass first and so I think he was integral in helping develop um, a mindset of what coach wants uh, here with our program is play hard and pass the ball and he really helped set a foundation for that and I think what we were able to do for Kelly as well um, Kelly's a, a hooper he would play every day. You know, you guys come and see him here before practice or after practice. He always wants to play ones. He always, he loves the game and loves to play. And I think we were able to put him in a position um, where he helped us and we helped him to be able to continue his career and to be able to do that again with a, a young group in Toronto. Um, so I'm really happy with his contrib contributions and I wish him the best. Ochai's also going to Toronto, somebody that was a young player and showed so much athleticism in his first two years. What did he contribute? Ochai's just overall demeanor, character, mm -hmm. athleticism, as you've mentioned. Um, he's a young player that I think he had a chance to get experience here and develop. And Ochai was the only one under contract that we traded at the deadline. Mm -hmm. uh, Simone and Kelly were also going to be free agents. Um, Sometimes in deals at the deadline, um, you know, there's, there can be a saying that if, if both teams are upset about the deal, then it's usually a good one and a fair one because to get the assets that we wanted, um, sometimes you have to give up something that can be hard to give up. And where we are as a team, um, both just in our developmental curve to open up that championship window um, Ochai was somebody that Toronto really wanted to add to their young group. Um, and I think he should get a, a nice runway there to continue to develop his career. But unbelievable person, uh, worker, um, you know, hate to see him go, but, you know, in the best interests, I think, of both, I think it'll, it'll be a good spot for Ochai. Tech has a good spot in Detroit with him getting an opportunity to continue to show that he's a rotation player even won a game last season against the Golden State Warriors with his dunk at the end. But he really established himself this year showing that he can play day in, day out in this league. Yeah, I'm really proud of Simone. Um, you know, as you know, in my, my background before I started working with, with the Jazz, was I was an agent. I specialized in bringing European players to the NBA. So I'm very familiar with that process. Um, I give guys who are coming from overseas to go start a new life um, in a whole new league, move their families, uh, continually speak in a second language, yep. um, where the grocery store is, you know, how to deal with traffic, all of those things are navigating, and then the new rules and everything else. So usually it takes about a year for international players to adjust. And I'm so happy Simone's like mental fortitude and study and a credit to our coaches too to get him one really comfortable and two then put in a role that he could really produce and show that he is an NBA rotational player and Detroit really really wanted him they 
paid a price for him that simply as a, a steward for the Utah Jazz and the organization that I, I couldn't turn down. We, um, it ended up being a deal where Simone goes to a place where they really value him, his early bird rights. Um, even though Detroit has cap room, it's something that they think can help connect that group, much like Kelly did with ours. And part of our jobs in the NBA, Will and I talk about this a lot, is here with the Utah Jazz, we want every player to have a great experience, mm -hmm. however short or however long that is. And part of that is our goal with players too, is that they all want to play 10 years. And so how can we help them in their stage of their career to either establish a reputation so they can go on and play 10 years or a seventh or eighth or ninth or 10th year player and help them continue their career. Um, with Simone, Simone's work and, you know, our coaching staff and ability to put him in a role and develop him has secured an NBA future for him. Maybe 12 months ago where he might have been questioning like, yeah. Hey, should I have done this? He gave up a very lucrative career in Italy, but to build a new life for himself, his family, and reputation, he's done that. And I'm so proud of him. He was a pro's pro. Now let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite, fund, and close mortgage loans all in-house. Their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs. Just check them out. First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz. Tyra Lewis Jr. coming back on the other side for this trade. He's about to be introduced to the media today. What does he provide? Something that I remember just from my first draft covering on this side for the team was speed was the big thing that stood out with his game. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, when Kyra was drafted, I agree with you. You know, the speed was what popped off the charts when he was coming out of school. Um, Sometimes you end up in situations where you don't get a chance because of how the team's built or people in front of you. He also was got injured and has kind of, you know, had a couple different teams that he's played for. I think what we want to do with Kyra is get him in here, um, have him understand our player development program. He's about to be a free agent. Um, so seeing and getting to know him and seeing if um, – that could be a fit for us or him going forward and really have a chance these next three months to get to know him and, and see how he does in our building. How did the way that this team played in January factor into your decisions heading into the deadline? In January, I, I was really happy with, look, our our coaching staff and, and Danny, myself, everybody up and down the organization were extremely competitive. Um, and competing and trying to get the best version of, of what this team is out. I think we've seen flashes of that um, from the early struggles at the beginning of the year to, you know, things starting to click and guys understanding each other. 
that's just one, uh, you know, one extra step in our long-term plan to be championship competitive. Um, our goals are to continue to develop our players, put them in a competitive environment, um, have them experience playing meaningful games, games that mean something. And eventually, and I, I won't put a timeline on it, but the goal is is not to just play competitive games. That's probably the goal this year, but eventually is to have a team that has a chance to go deep in the playoffs uh, and in a Western Conference that is just brutal. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you look at the top eight, every single team is really, really good. Really. And top eight doesn't even guarantee you a playoff spot for those you're, bottom two. You're in the plan. You're in the plan. Yeah. You, you could be bounced out. How much did the OKC pick conveying factor into the calculus? So just like setting particular goals of conveying a pick or not conveying a pick or making a play-in or not making a play-in, what we really care about is the process of what our coaches and our players and our development are doing. So... You know, at the end of the day, we need to know, as I said before, we need to know some of the younger guys that have been in our developmental program, what they can do on an NBA level so we know where their path needs to grow additionally as we as we move through the months. So those guys getting an opportunity to play um, and play in meaningful games, this 30-game stretch is a meaningful stretch of games for them to be in. Uh, I want that to continue. And that process will give us more information of how we can continue to add to this core group of players. I think what's important, you know, for fans and, and people that are listening to this about the deadline is the three players that we traded, you know, all valuable, as I've said, like, you know, gave great parts of the, you know, of themselves to the jazz, but we were able to, you know, acquire assets that allow to, you know, add to our core. None of our, our core remains intact mm -hmm. of, of the main players that we have and, and then having to see who else can be added to that core with Taylor Hendricks and Bryce and all the, all the guys um, that we're going to get a look at so that at the end of the year we know our team. So making the play-in, I want, I want the coaches and players to try and win every game. Um, it's an important part of experience and doing that and seeing if, you know, our younger players can contribute in that way, which they've, it's not like we just acquired these guys last week. We've, we had Taylor and Bryce starting in the summer. Um, their development paths were a little bit delayed because they were both hurt during the summer. So summer league, that experience and the G league has been really, really valuable for them. And we've seen market progress both physically and on a skill level with both of them. And it's the right time in their development path to have them play m some meaningful minutes here with the Jazz the last 30 games. What have you seen those early indicators from their performances in the G League? Because this is quite the opportunity for Taylor Hendricks. You look at the game against Phoenix where he's blocking Kevin Durant on one end and then he's getting crossed up on the other. That's going to be a part of his development. Failure is is a part of the thing. Correct. And being able to have meaningful video and mm -hmm. the types of players, I'm sure there's a little bit, you know, he had not been with us in terms of meaningful minutes for a couple yeah. months. And then, you know, coach puts him in and he's guarding Kevin Durant. Good luck. <laughs> Welcome to the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so I think what you've seen with Taylor and you've, you've seen it in the G League too is that the defensive instincts, um, his body has markedly improved, um, his ability to rebound out, outside of his own area. Um, you know, his shot when his feet are set is good. Um, he can be a natural ball mover, but having him be in NBA speed, NBA sets, uh, even though we run virtually identical things in the G League, but where he's supposed to be, and now there's going to be an acclimation of instead of playing with Jason Preston and Johnny Juzang and Micah um, and Bryce, now he's got to learn how to play with Keontae and Lowry and Walker and know where to be on the court and how they like to do things and where he can come in and contribute. And I think the first step of that is being on the court, knowing the defensive game plan, moving the ball, much like we tell every every other guy with, with the Utah Jazz. And then from those reps, he's going to naturally build comfort and understand he totally belongs. And, you know, there yeah, there'll probably be some rough spots as it is with any rookie. We've seen those rough spots and bright moments with Keontae. We've seen that with Walker. Um it's it's normal for any young player. So this is just the natural next step in this process. And with Bryce, you know, Bryce was an accomplished scorer coming out of school. I think what has been really impressive is the passing and how he sees. So that may not with his role and what he what he'll be doing for us and how many ever minutes that is, or even the G League, that's not gonna necessarily be reflected in like an assist to turnover ratio or assist completed but he can see and he can pass and he can make reads so doing that at the nba level along with the shooting that i believe translates at any level with how he shoots the ball and scores um then him getting acclimated on the defensive end and where he can provide and try to be a good team defender i think that um will be his biggest challenge uh in terms of getting reps what have you made of Keontae's first half of this season? I like Keontae's, I mean, there's a lot of things that I love about Keontae. What, I, what I've what i liked is when he's faced some adversity, it's not like anybody's always going to handle it perfectly, whether you have a bad game or he's so competitive and he wants to win. It's not about him, but, you know, when he's not making shots, you can sometimes the early part see the frustration on his face or when he makes a mistake. Um which is going to happen. But what I really appreciate about him is how he is a student of the game, will look at film, will understand, recognize his body language, want to correct it, and really integrate himself in the group and do what's best for the team. And he's a quick learner of, you know, and that's why I, I do think he has a point guard mentality and being able to be a playmaker, like realizing who he's on the, on the court with. You know, certain times that he needs to defer, certain times he needs to be more aggressive. And those continued reps, especially in games that matter, um, is going to be huge for him. What did you see in college or in other scenarios that made you think that he could be a point guard? Because this isn't exactly what you saw when he was playing. Yeah, from a statistical profile, fine. But I think the, I think there's always context and some of the context is you have to start going back, and this is what we do during the draft. Um, we're following guys when they're 15 or 16. And this is the staff. This is the Chuck. Yeah, this, this is, is Chuck and Bart and Steven yep. and Marquise and Shane and 
you know, Luca, all of us, Danny, mm-hmm. we're, we're watching these guys since they were 15 or 16 years old. Um, so if you go back and watch Keontae from that starting point, you can start to understand a little bit more context rather than like six months at Baylor. Yeah. And what you see is that he's always played at a very, very top level. He's always played against the best of the best. And he was dominant in his age group. You could see um, his ability to make plays for himself and for others. And so then he goes to Baylor and he's playing with two senior guards or two upperclassmen guards. They played a three-guard lineup. So nominally, we don't really do the numbers one, two, three, four, and five, but He's in a three-guard lineup, so you can say that whether he's bringing the ball up sometimes, not playing the three, like there are opportunities where you can see flashes of it, but he needed to do what the team needed him to do for their own success at Baylor, and he willingly did that. So that context versus what we think he could do is not just a direct one-to-one translation, well, he did this at Baylor, so he will do this in the NBA. Um, There's just much more to it. And it's a bet when you you bet on the character and the competitiveness and the brain, along with the athletic talent and skill. Um, he's been every bit of the person and student that I expected. Checking in on Walker Kessler's development, such huge expectations put on his shoulders because he gets the Team USA call and he has a stellar first year as a rookie. What have you seen in his response this season? So with players in the NBA, especially very talented ones, just like Walker, development isn't always linear. Part of development is having success, then having some adversity. How do you respond to the adversity? A couple of the things that we've talked about earlier. I think Walker in this last month has probably played his best stretch of basketball he has in these two seasons. Um, on a consistent basis, uh, his body continues to grow. Um, I think when you have success your first year, there's a level of expectations that you're just going to take a huge leap. And, you know, all of these young guys still need things that they need to work on. And for Walker, it's his body, it's his rebounding, his shot blocking is out of this world. Um, Understanding his opponent and the more reps he gets against some of there's, you know, one day you're playing as Joel Embiid and then you've got Nurkic and then you've got Jokic and then you've got, you know, a different type of center and Nick Claxton and like how how you can function and help your team win um, in different areas. So Will's done a great job of putting him in situations and playing different defenses and playing against different guys to give him the foundational parts that he needs to continue to work on. He's doing great. The offseason trade of John Collins was the big marquee move of the offseason. How do you think he's adapted to the group? So much like I said about international guys, right, and taking some time to adjust, the other thing that we found is established players like John who started in Atlanta and extended in Atlanta. So he'd seen, you know, even if you have different coaches or but you're in the same building for six, seven years, you have the majority of your teammates, you know, 50, 60% of your teammates for the same. And then you come to a new city, you come to a new facility, you come with a new coach and a bunch of players that, you know, you know, but you've never played with. Mm-hmm. And that takes some time. Um, figuring out who plays well with who, you know, Will's done an outstanding job of that. John continuing to work on, you know, 
doing the things and, and rediscovering some of the things about his game that when Will when he got here, Will wanted him to be a basketball player. Um, not being put in a role and then taking some time to kind of figure out what those roles were good for John and good for us uh, to help us win and for him to continue to be productive. And I think he's starting to figure it out too. I, I would say the last couple months here, um, he's playing some of his best basketball. Mike went through the same thing. Mike probably did the same thing. What a new place is like. Yep. He was completely identified with Memphis, but still even... There was a big transition. The commute is much different here than yes. Atlanta, I would bet. Yes. <laughs> yes. Colin Sexton as a starter. I mean, that guy has been such a, a joy to watch on the floor because of his intensity. How have you seen him adjust to being a starter and taking on new roles? I'm just so proud of Colin. Um, so last year when we got him in our trade, um, he was coming off, you know, he was fully healthy, but he, he hadn't really played in eight or nine months with, with the knee surgery that he had. And so last year we were also pretty conservative with him because just from a, a medical standpoint, the farther, you know, if you can get on the court and play, but you can, um, build some time between your return to the surgery and your return to the court, um, the chances of re-injury go down precipitously um, after a year. So again, another acclimation um, of getting acclimated to your to a new city and a, and a new uh, situation. And Colin's fire and intensity and energy is a huge boost for us, but also he allows Will to coach him hard. And to Colin's credit, Colin's really tried to learn and adapt and understand. And he's still a young player and adding things to his game. And so the opportunity, he was ready for when it was time for him to start. Um, that his game has grown. You know, the people thought that he was just a scorer. And he's not that. He's He gives energy on every single play. He is passing the ball. He's a very good shooter um, at three levels. And I I think, and he's such a positive person around here. Uh, his teammates love him. And, you know, he's been the guy that brings energy every single game, whether you want it or not. That's, you know, that's one switch for Colin. It's on. But uh, he's also been able to adapt at a, a few different speeds now. Uh, during the game and, and been really, really productive. I'm just really, really proud of him. Does Will surprise you? Because I don't know if uh, I expected this record heading into the year for this team, and I don't know if I expected him to continue to be an offensive mind that I looked post-December 22nd, this is the third best offense in the NBA in terms of rating. I mean, I I, I don't know how he does it, but... He's getting offense out of this team. He uh, he's very special um, as a person, as a coach. Um, he's been everything that I thought he would be. Um, he, he was ready for this opportunity, and there's so many things that I appreciate about Will. Um, the first thing is he's insanely competitive, and shoot the shot. Well, yeah, when you're comp, yeah, I, I, I think he's lost one. To, to Colin. Colin. <laughs> to Colin. Um, I think the competitiveness, the intellect, and then he is, an, he is a great teacher. 
which is huge for our, our young club as we try to develop. And so you combine those three things, um, he's got a huge figure it out factor of like, okay, these are the these are the things that I have with my team. How can I maximize it? And sometimes that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think offensively, you know, figuring out who plays well together and getting everybody to sort of be on the same page. Uh, our players have always been bought in, but Will guiding them and, and using this data and, and watching and figuring out where are the best combinations. And then I think on the defensive end of the ball, you know, where we can be challenged defensively. And so what Will has done is had our players be adaptable to be able to play two, three, four different styles of defense to, you know, even though we're not a great defensive club, to maximize whatever our defensive potential is. And that takes time for the players to be connected on the defensive end that we, we're not a team that can only play one way yet. Um, and I think it's much like a starting pitcher in baseball, like with our defense and things that we, we don't just have one really good fastball. We're going to have to, you know, have a couple different pitches to throw and it takes a little time and his commitment to that. Um, and even when the results aren't great, sometimes that he continues to work at it. I think it's the same thing on offense. Colin followed Jalen Brunson into the stands on a box and one. Like they're trying different things, and sometimes they're fun. trying it. That was fun. They're trying it to the extreme. I guess the logical extreme would be follow Jalen Brunson up the tunnel. I mean, you tell Colin, you give Colin an assignment. I mean, that's that's twenty four seven right there. I don't think anybody's gotten you on the record on Jason Preston since his signing. So I want to hear uh, what your thoughts are with him on a two way, and gives me hope as someone who can see a basketball blogger become a player. He did have measurables though too, JP. I'm a plus. I'm a plus wingspan. You you're told pl- me. Yeah, you're like a plus one. I'll take it. Problem is, you know, yeah. you need the height with it. Too. Whatever. We're not calling it positional size. Um, yeah, Jason. I think with our, you know, Coach Wojo uh, with the Stars has a is a great teacher as well. And um, sometimes when you're developing uh, our players for the Jazz, especially you know Bryce and Taylor and and our other two ways, you need to have somebody that has a chance as well, but is also a guy that really thinks for the group. And I think when the opportunity came to um, that Jason was available, we all looked at it as, especially Marquise Newman, who made the recommendation, and we all agreed as our GM of the Stars, is just somebody that can connect the group to make that environment better, not only for Jason, for a chance to orchestrate a club and for us to get to know him, because... I do think he has, he can be an NBA player, um, but also help the rest of our group and get the best out of them, whether it's Johnny Juzang shooting and movement or it's Micah Potter being able to you know play with a, a pass-first point guard or helping Taylor get in the right spots and be able to you know pick and pop or help with reads. And then you know obviously with Bryce to have you know another running mate in the, in the backcourt or even when we play a three-yard lineup that someone that can help organize and, and do that. He's a very thoughtful guy, very smart. Um, he's got good measurables, and he does a lot of things. I mean, he's he's already had a triple-double with us, so um, been very happy with his addition so far. There are a lot of players who are podcasters, too. It is now. It's kind of a thing now. So I'm just saying the you skills, have are, skills are transferable. I'm not sure it's both ways. 
General Manager of the Utah Jazz, Justin Zanuck on Rampal Roundup on utahjazz.com. Justin, as always, thank you. Thanks, JP.